Welcome to Is It Worth It? The Self-Worth Podcast. My name is Roshni. I'm the founder of Self-Worth Coaching and the CEO of Beatty Grew Up, a content creation and coaching platform. This podcast and my work are dedicated to helping you become your most empowered self and to remind you to detach your self-worth from your external life experience. This is powerful work and I am so grateful that you are joining me for another episode. To learn more, make sure that you head to the show notes below. And without further ado, let's hop into this incredible episode. Hello and welcome to a brand new episode of Is It Worth It? Today I'm speaking with Kirti, who is a life coach specializing in brain-based cognitive psychology-based coaching. Last year, she left her career in finance to pursue her life coaching career full-time, helping people from all over the world with their mental and emotional health. This conversation was such a beautiful one, and I first met Kirthi as a client in my course, Not Your Betty, and it's been so amazing to see her flourish into her own coaching career. In this episode, we chatted about what it means to trust yourself as a woman and femme in South Asian culture, what it's like to pursue a non-traditional career path, and risk disappointing our families. Kirthi shared so many beautiful things about her journey and learning to trust herself and heal the nice girl image that she was brought up with. And of course, we also talked about spirit guides and the world of spirituality and what it feels like to open those doors for the first time. Before we jump into the interview, I also want to remind you that the waitlist for Not Your Betty, the course that we talk about in this podcast episode, is officially available to sign up on and this waitlist ensures that you will be able to secure an early bird pricing, which is actually half the price of the course. So if you identify as a South Asian woman or femme or non-binary person like me, this is a course for you to learn how to trust yourself and start listening to your inner voice more than you listen to the opinions of those around you. There's so many beautiful things in this course and you can find out more at the link in the show notes below as well as join the waitlist. Now let's jump into this interview. All right, welcome to the podcast, Kirthi. I am so excited to have you here. Um, We originally met through, I believe, Instagram, you following me and then you joining me for the first iteration of Not Your Betty, which was such an incredible program. And I loved having you in it. I love seeing your journey from afar and like all the things that you're doing now and getting into coaching yourself. So can you start by just telling us a little bit about who you are? Yeah, of course. Um, So hi, everyone. I am a life coach. um, And the kind of I mean, there are a lot of different coaching modalities. But the one that I specialize in is like brain based coaching, and it's based on cognitive psychology techniques. Um, And last year, I actually, um, I left my corporate finance career in the US. And I decided to relocate to India and go full time in my own life coaching business. And last year, I was kind of doing these at the same time, but like I came to a point where I decided that this is exactly what I want to be doing. (laughs) That's so exciting. What was it about coaching that made you realize like, this is it for me? Coaching really saved my life. Like, I feel like it gave me the tools that I was searching for all along. And, you know, for the majority of my life, like I had a lot of like personal mental health and emotional health struggles that I just like, couldn't really figure out how to get myself out of and like coaching gave me the tools to like it like let it showed me how the life that I wanted for myself was possible right um so coaching saved me and I was like oh my god this is because I especially at being someone who was like so ingrained in like personal development and self-help and all of that like coaching just like clicked in for me like nothing ever had um So I just decided that like this has worked so well for me and I want to like spread this information, spread these tools and work with people to help them in the way that I was helped by coaching. Yeah, I love that so much. And I have such a similar experience with coaching as well, because like I was in therapy for four years, almost consistently before I even knew what coaching was or found what coaching was. And I was also a psychology major at the time. And I still hadn't heard of coaching. Like I did not even know it existed, but when Mm -hmm. I discovered 
aspects of coaching and the fact that you could actively change your mindset. Like, I don't know why no one told me that in therapy. Like, <laughs> Exactly. But, Sorry, please go on. <laughs> no, no, go yeah. ahead. Yeah. And I was thinking like, and I think that there is definitely a place for therapy. Um, and I find that like therapy tends to be not always, but it tends to be especially helpful when you're like really in the thick of something, right? When you're struggling to just even be functional in your life. Like I find that therapy is super helpful, but I think for like other people who like, they feel like they're at least functional. They're able to get like the basic day-to-day tasks done, but like, how do they get to that next level in their lives, right? How do they actually create the life of their dreams? And that is what coaching helps us with, right? And to like actively, as you mentioned, like change the thought patterns in our mind, right? Like change the way that we talk to ourselves, how to change that, like a very step-by-step process. Um, Yeah, coaching is like the best thing ever. I agree. It literally changed my life. And like, it gave me power over myself that I didn't know I had. And something that also like, again, I, I love therapy and I probably will see a therapist again in my life. Like I'm never going to say that it has no place or has no value mm-hmm. um, at all. But something that they didn't really teach me was like, yeah, that I, that I have this power, that I have this control, that I have an inner critic, that I have self-talk and that's something that can be shifted. Like all the things that you said were the things that actually helped me move up in life. Kind of like what you were saying, it, it takes your life to the next level. Whereas therapy, like you might be able to untangle some things, but once I untangled them, I didn't really know where to go from there. And that was part of the thing with therapy as well is it felt so authoritarian. Like it felt like someone else had the answers and I just had to like, like see if like they could give me the answers or something. But in coaching so much of that power is placed back in your hands and it can be really intimidating Mm -hmm. at first to say like, oh, I have power over where my life goes or who I am. But when you start getting used to that and you start finding your footing and all of that, like it, it makes you feel so much stronger because you don't feel like all of your healing is with someone else. Yeah, absolutely. Like coaching shows you how like you're the one in power. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, what were some sure. of the things that you would say you were struggling with the most before you found coaching or when you first found it? You know, what I was struggling with the most. So when I like really before, right before I found coaching, like I feel like I had achieved pretty much what it was that I was working towards, right? Like I moved to the US to like, you know, study in college there. Essentially my plan all along was like, get to the US, like um, get a good education, like get a secure, well-paying job, right? Which, and there's like a, lucrative quote-unquote career path from then onwards right and I was there like once I achieved it I realized that this is not what I truly wanted right and instead because we're so in the society like we're just so there's like this um we're like ingrained with what like a good life looks like with what a successful career looks like right and I felt like I had always been trying to follow that right like looking around me and like trying to get there and once I realized that I was there I realized how unfulfilled I truly felt like I felt like where I was wasn't true to who I was it might be true to like the people around me but it didn't feel true to me and I was miserable (laughs) right Um, And like coaching really helped me like, first of all, like, kind of like clean up like my own, like, heal my past traumas, kind of heal the emotional health struggles that I was going through. And then it just showed me like, oh, my God, I was always meant to be a life coach. Like, this is exactly (laughs) who I was always meant to be. And that's how I I found this, I guess. That's it's such an important piece of the story because like we all are told that this is the one way to live life. This is the one way to be successful. And especially in South Asian culture, it's even more so. And something that I've noticed, and you can tell me if this is true in your experience, is like as there is some progression in South Asian culture, 
it's almost like there's even more restrictions around what your career can be because it's like, oh, well, South Asian women didn't used to work or didn't used to do all these things. So like now if you're going to work, it has to be in like these three categories, like doctor, you know, engineer, computer mm-hmm. science, like something in, or just some sort of like very, like, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, yeah. And I remember that, like, that is something exactly what you're talking about. Like that messed with my mind so much, especially when I was realizing like, oh my God, maybe I want to be a life coach. Right. But I was so embarrassed to say that. Like, I literally could not tell my family or even my closest friends that like, guys, I want to be a life coach. Like I was so terrified because I was convinced like my friends were going to leave me. My parents were going to be like, get out of the house or whatever. Um, which is so crazy because like now when I think about like being a life coach and our industry and the work that we do for people, like we literally heal people's minds and their hearts. Like, how is that not something to be proud of? Right. But like, it's so deeply ingrained in our brain that like, no, there are like right careers and that there are wrong careers. Right. And if you're like, not one of these specific if that's not your career path, then like you're somehow inferior to the others, right? Like it's that ideology. And that's why I was so embarrassed in the beginning. Uh, and then I worked on, of course, like the way that I'm thinking about all of this. But yeah, it that shit is strong. And it was like, that's why it took me a while to like come out of the life coach closet. Um, yeah. <laughs> that's so funny that you call it that. But I felt that same kind of shame too. Like I was like, oh, like life coaching and Oprah and like this thing that's like made fun of, you know, because it is made fun of in popular Mm -hmm. culture. And um, there's not like a, I felt that stigma over me for like two years when I was first beginning, because like I was Mm -hmm. doing my healing, like the beginnings of my healing journey alongside working on life coaching. And yeah, it was, I was like scared to even market myself because I was like, what am Mm -hmm. I doing? And especially coming from like that academic psychology research background, it was so much more about like, what are you, what studies are you making? And what, what's like the influential knowledge that you're putting out into the world. And I think that's incredibly important, but I realized like, I need to work with people like me being in a lab is not helping anyone. And it doesn't speak to my gifts or my strengths at all. Absolutely. And that's part of why I love being a life coach. It's because we get to have like develop like one-on-one relationships with people, like really have vulnerable conversations, really get to like hold space for the other person and like just love them for who they are. And like, that is something that I really wanted, right? Versus like my finance career, I was essentially like interacting with my computer most of the time, right? (laughs) And I was like slowly dying inside, right? Because it just did not feel like where I was meant to be, right? And I want to say like, if that's good for you, like if you like having that kind of job, like totally fine. I'm just saying that like, I knew that that was not it for me. Exactly. And that was something that like blew my mind when I thought about it. Like at first when I was in my nine to five and I was doing my thing, I was like, oh, like everyone hates their job though. (laughs) So like, it's fine. I'm just another one of those. And then I realized like, no, this is some people's dream. Like the, I was working at my university and there were some people who had been working in different universities or things like that for like the last 25, 30 years. And so after realizing like I was meeting people who are legitimately passionate about what they're doing, it made me realize like I deserve to be that passionate too, you know, and not everyone deserves to live a life that they're trying to always escape. And when I realized like, oh, we're not all trying to escape this. Like some people actually really like the structure of a nine to five going into work, leaving, like that's part of their routine and they enjoy it. And I realized like, that's just not me. So I have to do something about this, but breaking out of that, like, I feel like part of that was like breaking out of the matrix in a weird way, because like so many possibilities start to open up for you. And you just think about money differently. You think about a career differently. You restructure what you value and what you think of as success. Like all of that had to shift in order for me to be happy where I am. But like, it was like mind blowing experience after mind blowing experience. Absolutely. And I remember something that you mentioned was like, you know, being scared to market yourself as a life coach and all of that. And I definitely had that as well. Right. I was like, oh, my God, like, especially because I have a lot of people who like, um, you know, they know me from when I like studied finance and 
like undergrad and even grad school and I was like those people are gonna laugh at me like I was so convinced but I came to a point where I was like you know what it's okay if people laugh at me it's okay if they reject me but like I am done rejecting myself right because when I was hiding I was just rejecting myself I was rejecting what I believe in and I completely believe in coaching I have seen like how power powerful it is both like applying it to myself and like the people that I work with so I'm like I'm done like hiding myself and rejecting that part of me right like it's okay I it's kind of like um along that sentiment of like I'd rather be rejected for who I am than to be accepted for who I'm not and I really came to that and that's when I like went all in on the marketing I love that and that's so exciting I think that that congratulations by the way on like really putting yourself out there because it is so hard but like you're doing it and that's so exciting I love watching your posts every day (laughs) (laughs) um yeah I was like hi I was like marketing and hiding before and now I'm like I'm done with that like let me like actually come out on my personal social media and like share this with people yeah (laughs) I'm here for it. I'm here for it. What you were saying before reminds me of like the conversation that we've had before around the the feeling of shame that you get when you're doing something that you want or that fear of rejection that comes with it. Can you talk a little bit about your experience with shame or how shame kind of affected you on this coming out of life coaching journey? Yeah. And you know, part of that was like letting that be there, letting that be part of my experience and letting it be an emotion that like I allow myself to feel, right? Like, yes, when I first started, like, yes, I'm going to tell my friends I'm a life coach and there's shame that's kind of overcoming me, but I'm going to let it be there and still say that I'm a life coach, right? So like, first of all, just like letting it be a part of my experience and showing myself that like nothing has gone wrong if I'm feeling shame and also recognizing that the only reason I'm feeling shame is because of this ideology that like my brain has just absorbed from society that like, here are the careers to be proud of and here are the careers to be ashamed ashamed of right um so I started just letting that be a part of my experience and now like as I'm being more and more visible like there are times when I'm like I'm like cringing I'm like oh god I don't think (laughs) like that was like like well said or whatever and again like letting that discomfort just be a part of my experience because here's the thing like a lot of the times when we're like scared to do something right like of course there's discomfort when we actually do that thing that we're scared of but like we don't realize that like it's also uncomfortable to not be doing what you want to do right right now what I'm doing is I'm being more visible and like really putting myself out there it's uncomfortable right but like it was also deeply uncomfortable to hide myself Right. So it's kind of like, well, what kind of discomfort do I want to choose? Right. And I decided that like the one that where my growth is, that's that's the discomfort that I want. Yeah, that's such an important distinction to make to know that like, okay, this is the rock in front of me, but I can choose to jump in this direction over the rock or in this direction over the rock and like realizing that like we just get to a point in life where sometimes things aren't going to be easy. Like taking the next step is just not going to be easy, but like you have to take the next step. And sometimes a lot of us will decide like, I'm not going, I'm just going to hide behind this rock. And like, sometimes we need a moment to gather ourselves or to figure out how to take our next step. And that's okay too. But at some point you can't just hide there forever. Like it's not a shelter, right? It's just a rock. And so you have to keep going and choose the direction that speaks most to you. But the thing is, like, once you get over that initial hump, like, you realize the path behind it was so much easier. And Mm -hmm. like, there's going to always be obstacles on whatever kind of journey that you're on, you almost assume that that rock is going to be there every five feet. And it's not like, once you get over the initial kind of discomfort of it, things do get easier, but we forget when we're healing or when we're making these big decisions that like things do accumulate. Like even if healing isn't linear, all your practice that you've had from picking yourself up up, off the ground before that's still there. And that's still a part of you. So taking that time to recalibrate, figure out where you're going, it does get a lot easier and you start feeling more free. Like you realize you didn't need to carry all these burdens with you because as you're working on yourself and finding your true path, all of the things 
from society's side are like falling off your back, you know? And then you're like, oh, Mm -hmm. this is freedom. And like at a certain point, you can also take off running and things feel so much lighter. And it's such a beautiful journey. Absolutely. And I love that you touched on freedom because I can say that like that has been the most fun part of my journey so far is like the freedom that I feel now, right? Because I was so used to like being in this persona of like, oh, she's this like quiet girl who just like is kind of in the background, doesn't really talk much, right? Um, And so now I feel so much more free to like just take up space in the world to like say whatever comes to mind, right? Like, and to show all sides of me, like even the sides that I'm like, that's really weird, but like to just take up space and show all of me instead of like how hidden I was before, because again, like this is part of socialization and especially we're from the South Asian background where like, you know, we have this, we're told that we're meant to be like quiet and like sweet and like agreeable, right? And like letting go of all of that has just, oh my gosh, like that's what true freedom has felt like to me. I love that you said that. So first of all, my word for 2022 is actually freedom. And I feel like every day someone mentions the word freedom to me and it gets reflected back to me. So that's cool in the first place. But like, I want to talk about this nice girl aspect of the South Asian experience, because it was huge for me to start letting go of that. But at the beginning, and I feel like a lot of us have this similar experience where like, we're leading a double life for a big part of our lives, you know, at least like me living in America as like a high schooler or as a college kid, like I experienced a lot of Um, in psychoanalysis, they call it fragmented selves, but it's basically where like you are one person around your friends and another person at Mm -hmm. home and another person with your professors. And that's fully how my life was. Like I didn't know how to be me. That was also one of the things that kept me from knowing who my authentic self was. Like it was so hard for me to know, like, who am I? That was like literally one of these questions that plagued me because like, I knew I had a couple of interests, but I had no idea who I actually was. And it was through the process of like becoming more me and letting go of these like double lives that I was leading that finally helped me start feeling authentic. But the fact that we have to be a nice girl or that like you just get shamed by people who aren't even related to you. Like all of those things are so ingrained in South Asian culture. Um, So yeah, what's been your experience with like the whole nice girl image and how that's maybe held you back? Oh, oh my gosh. Like it's held me back a lot, like in the past, right? Because like, again, I was just I was so used to like being in that mold that I, again, as you mentioned, I didn't know who I truly was. Right. And I think that's part of the reason why I felt so miserable because I'm like, oh my God, I feel so unfulfilled. I don't even know who I truly am. Right. Again, I had these random like um, interests, but like nothing that I could say like, oh, I'm deeply passionate about this. And I didn't know my voice, right? Because I was so used to not sharing my voice. Like, yes, I would talk to like my close group of friends, but outside of that, I was like the quiet one, right? I was always the one who felt like my voice was not being heard, like in a group of people. So I would just be the quiet person, the agreeable person who just kind of went along with what everyone else was saying. And like, that's what coaching really helped me work through is like, because as you mentioned, like coaching, like it's a lot of it is like asking powerful questions to like reveal to yourself who you are, right? And like, it was a gradual process. It was definitely not like an overnight thing but it was like taking one step like doing my first like free coaching session for example right taking baby steps like getting certified speaking a bit of speaking up in class like in the program that we were in in not your baby like that was where I started right because I remember like I was um in the first session when we were like doing introductions or something I was like oh god please don't ask about me (laughs) right but like that's how I started was just like having that safe space to just be heard right where people wanted to ask you questions and wanted to hear what you had to say so that was super special for me because little by little it's like I kind of like started stepping out of that like like mold that I was kind of like masked under if that makes sense right like little by little like taking peeks out of it and stepping out of that yes and I remember that in the course like 
you're not really wanting to say a lot at the beginning, but then like by the end of it, and especially like, I remember we had that celebration burning bowl ceremony and like you wanted to speak up or you wanted to say things or you wanted to respond to like Neelam as well. And, um, you know, just like even seeing your friendship with one another was really, really cool for me to see like, oh, wow, like these people didn't know each other, met each other. And like this bonding experience that they've had has been like insane. Um, but I completely agree with that nice girl side of things. And I had the same struggles, like feeling unheard. I was always the quiet one. And, you know, it was like seen as a good thing, like, oh, she's so quiet. And even as a kid, like I was raised in, you know, a, a toxic family system. And so as a child, like I, I was just told to like be seen and not heard kind of thing. And so like even my footsteps, like I would like tiptoe everywhere I went. And I was also enrolled in ballet. And even there they say like suffer in silence, like everything about my experience, I was taught to be quiet, to make myself as small as possible, to not take up space, like you said. And unlearning those things, like I really thought for so long that they were part of my identity. And that's why I wanted to bring this up for anyone who's listening, who's like, oh, but I just am those things. Like maybe it is, maybe it's where you feel like your most authentic self is like to be more quiet, but I would still encourage you to challenge that a little bit because if you've been told that that's how people will accept you, then of course that's what you're going to align yourself with, you know? And that identity was like, a huge part of how I saw myself. Like I remember being like, oh, people who are so loud or make a lot of noise are so annoying. And I literally used to think that like, I didn't like people who were loud or wanted to be the center of attention, but it was because of my own wounds, not because of them or because of, you know, wh who I actually enjoyed or not. And now I love those people. And sometimes I am that person and it's fun. And just like the uh, way that we identify ourselves can be such a cocoon for what we think we should be when really that, I, those identities specifically are what's actually holding us back from our authentic self. Absolutely. Yeah. And as you mentioned, like, we're kind of like complimented along the way to like, oh, it's so nice that like, she's just so quiet and just so sweet, right? Like, it's, it's weird. Because like, yes, I'm sure they don't have bad intentions. But like, it definitely did not serve me to like, see that as like a really great thing or something for me to be proud of when it was really just hiding me, right under like underneath that sort of identity. Yeah. And that's why I, I talk about South Asian culture so much is because like a lot of like, it, it may not be fully on purpose. Maybe some of it is a little bit designed, um, but like the, the way that they encourage South Asian women to be a real South Asian woman is so much denying of your authentic self and is so much denying of individuality. And like, I don't think that you can I don't think it's bad that South Asians have a collective culture. Like, I think that's like one of the most beautiful things about cultures, like the sense of community, the sense of gathering, like all of that. But I also don't think that being collectivist or having that sense of community means that you have to deny who you are inherently, you know, or that you can't celebrate what makes you an individual. And so I think like we're at a turning point, in my opinion, of so many people coming to that realization and saying like, I'm gonna choose me no matter what. And also like, I'm still gonna be Indian after making this choice. I'm still gonna be South Asian after doing, after making these decisions. And even if that means, you know, a, a shift in relationships or a shift in fi family dynamics, I think it's still incredibly important to always choose yourself. But like our culture literally tells us like, be quiet, do, you know, the things that will make other people happy, you know, yeah. do. Yeah. And, and just don't bring shame upon our family, you know? So then everything that you do, it's like, oh, am I being shameful? Am I bringing shame upon them? Like, I remember even I went on this vacation with my boyfriend in high school with his family. They took me on this like family trip of theirs. And even that was like, whoa, like I'm, I'm doing this, like, but it was like a huge argument with my parents. And I remember before I left, one of the things that my mom told me was like, don't speak on this trip because you're going to bring shame upon our family. And I was like terrified. And so I really spent most of the trip being like unnaturally quiet. <laughs> and, um, by the end of it, like my boyfriend's grandparents and like his family were like, 
why is she so quiet? Like, what's wrong with her? Does she not like us? And it was like this true clash of cultures where it was like the American side was just like, no, but we want you to join us. We want to embrace who you are. And they were such an accepting and open family. And with my like Indian parents on the other side saying like, don't say a word because you're going to embarrass us, you know? And I didn't know like what that meant or how things would find them or what they would find out about. And I just got so like, I just turned into this little ball of like fear and that's all I could be, you know? So it's, it's interesting how like blatantly these things are said and how much it affects you on such a deep level. Yeah. There's a lot about like, there's a lot of like uh, kind of along the bringing shame, like a lot of concern for like how other people might perceive you right like I think that's where the shame comes from it's because they think in this culture like we're so concerned with like what what are other people gonna think about you if you say this or if you do this right and I my parents are like I'm super blessed they have been super incredibly supportive through everything but I know that like when I was telling them about this decision like something that was a cause of concern from them was like well like literally everyone tries to like leave India to go to the U.S. and have the kind of opportunity that I did and like look our daughter is doing the opposite of that right like what will people say it was kind of that sort of thinking um so it was very interesting to me and I think that the shame I think it comes from like being very concerned about like how other people might perceive me right and I'm sure like my relatives are like she's crazy whatever she's doing but like I just came to a place where I'm like I'm just gonna let people think whatever they want to think about me and it's fine (laughs) yeah I love that though and that's what happens when you trust yourself like this is Mm -hmm. why I always talk about self-trust and also like people will judge you regardless people will say what they want to say people will do whatever they do as people, you know, but knowing that you're making the right decision for you, that's usually all you really need in order to take the first step or to be content with yourself, you know? And like, when you know that like you're taking the harder step because it's something that you will be judged for or something that you will be shamed for, but you're still doing it because you know it's right for you. Like the amount of power that comes with that is huge. And none of that power would exist if you didn't trust yourself. And that doesn't mean that you can't doubt yourself along the way. Like, of course, you're going to wonder like, how are things going to work out for me? Is this the right decision? But like, there is also a part of you that knows because you're not hearing that constant chatter in the back of your mind saying like, do something else. You're not happy. You're miserable you know and like yeah and so I just wanted to talk about um that piece of the the puzzle a little bit like how has self-trust allowed you to make this kind of decision for yourself yeah so self-trust has been like a huge part of this journey for me of course and like here's the way that I think about self-trust it's it's essentially your own relationship with yourself, right? Like how kind is that relationship? How loving is that relationship? How trusting is that relationship? So that's how I think about self-trust. And it's something that I worked on step by step, like again, baby steps. So like self-trust, it's not like, do you trust yourself? Do you trust yourself or do you not? It's like, to what level do you trust yourself? And So I really worked on healing my own relationship with myself in terms of the way that I talk to myself, right? So like I knew in the beginning I would be tempted like because I have a vision for my business, like I have a vision for the impact that I want to create in the world with this work. And I remember like being so terrified, like, oh my God, what if I'm making the wrong decision, right? And of course, like a South Asian woman, a South Asian like you know, gender non-conforming people, like we're used to believing that other people know better than we do, right? Like, I don't know the right answer, like those other people do. So it was really just like allowing myself to believe that like, it was safe for me to trust that I knew the right answer, right? That I had the right answer for me. And also like, I really told myself, like, it's kind of like an agreement that I made with myself was like, no matter what happens with my business, right, regardless of whether it goes exactly the way that I have envisioned in my mind, or if it takes the opposite route, I will not tell myself that like, I messed up, or I made the wrong decision, or like, you're so like, and this was the way that I would talk to myself before, right? Like, you're so stupid, like, see, you shouldn't have done this. And all of that self talk, I decided that I was going to be proud of myself, regardless of what happened with my business. And that really set me free. It's just like, 
promising to myself that I would be kind to myself regardless of the outcome. Um, and that really helped me a lot. That is so beautiful. And it's that exact decisiveness that like we're not given permission to explore in South Asian culture. Like it's like, no, you have to do the things that we need together. We need you to do this. And like that feeling of like sometimes codependency and it's, it's different for every family, but when it comes with that, like that pressure from your family that we need you to succeed because we need you because we like, you know, you're like the missing piece of the puzzle for our family success or for our family journey. And um, so many of those things really end up holding you back or making you like you said, kind of indecisive. And so sticking to a decision. And I love that you said, like, I'll not tell myself that I messed up or that I shouldn't have done this yeah. or let myself like wallow in the regret of the situation. Like that's yeah. such an important way to look at it because at any second, like your mind might be ready to turn back around and say, <laughs> Hey, this is a familiar path that I've walked down before where yeah. I've been able to tell myself that I suck. And somehow that makes part of me feel better, you know, but it's like, that doesn't change the situation at all. And it just yeah. makes you, you know, experience more pain. It's like changing that it's changing that self-talk. That was a huge part of it for sure. And that's again, where coaching really helped, right. Changing the way that I'm talking to myself, like it has, it like has such a powerful impact in our lives. Like, and something that I do is like, I celebrate literally every single thing, right. Like, so I encourage myself through my journey, right. Like I allow myself to feel like the disappointments and like the bumps along the road. But like, I also am very intentional about like, oh my God, I did this. I'm so proud of me. And I would never say that to myself in the past. Right. I would try to like, look, for external sources of people telling me I'm doing well or I'm doing a good job and now I've become that person for myself that like it literally I always appreciate like when people give me positive feedback and all of that like I'm truly appreciative of, of it but like now it's from this place of like I appreciate it when it's given to me but I don't need it like I'm good either way because I am now playing that like kind and loving person for myself. Mm, I love that so much. And that speaks to that need that we have to like seek permission for all the things that we do, which then makes us stay in that moment of indecision because a lot of the things that we truly want to do or that our authentic self is yearning for are going to be things that go against society in some way or another. And that is true even if you're not South Asian, you know, a lot of people, even people's like coming out stories, like that's a level of authenticity that you're then sharing with the world, but that takes so much courage and it goes against the grain of what you're being taught you should be or should look like or should be with. And that letting go of seeking permission so that you can embrace your authenticity is like, the, they're like two sides of the same coin, you know? If you're continuing to seek permission from others, then you never will reach that authentic part of yourself. And it's okay to explore who you are authentically, like behind closed doors as you get more comfortable with it. But if you're constantly sacrificing that every time you go out, then it's just going to be this like never ending push and pull that makes it really hard to just exist and live your life in a way that feels peaceful and mindful. Yeah. Yeah. And I think about it like it's like, I mean, I believe we have multiple lives, of course, but like I'm like in this one life, like I don't want to like be towards the end of it and be like, oh, but I didn't live the life that was true to me. Right. Like, so I think about that. I'm like, I am just committed to living a life that is true for me. And especially like people like us, we're used to when it comes to self-trust, like we're scared that we're making the wrong decision. Right. And we're taught literally, if you do something wrong, if you make the wrong decision, you deserve some kind of punishment. Right. Like we internalize that. And that's why we end up like talking like turning on ourselves essentially right where we're where we are the ones who are in our minds we're telling ourselves like all these negative things about ourselves right so it's like really working through that part and like learning how to self-trust it's just like a continuous um like step-by-step -step learning how how to heal your own relationship with yourself and how to let go of all these like internalized oppressive ways of thinking that we've just absorbed by being in the society that we are in mm -hmm. 
Exactly. I love that you frame it as your relationship with yourself, because that really is what it is. And the more that you also heal that or change what you expect to even receive from other people, like your reality really does shift. Like you do start seeing, or at least aligning with more people who are on the same wavelength as you, who are supportive of you. And even if you can't change your family, or that's always like, you start seeing more and more possibilities on the other side of it. You know, it's like, it's not just between your family's disappointment and what you want, but it's like, oh, all of a sudden you have this whole community of people who are so happy that you're doing what you're doing or that who you're able to help or who are just on a similar journey. And so you're able to bond and have community over that. And like, even realizing that there's more than one possible road or that the one road doesn't have to be lonely is so huge because everyone I know on their healing journeys, like has a period of immense loneliness at the beginning, but then it opens up into this beautiful world that they didn't expect. And so I always just want to encourage people to like, keep sticking to it, especially when you know, it's right, even if you feel alone at first. Yeah, yeah. And knowing that it's, it's like a path. It's not like, I think you made a reel on it. It's like not you're not gonna get to like an end point. It's just it's the path you're walking on in your life, right? It's going to keep going on. Yeah. And I think that's part of the beauty of it, right? Like knowing that there is no end line and it's like a path that you're choosing to be on for the joy of it, for your own healing. Yes. Okay. Before we segue, I also want to say something on this topic because I've noticed, and I'm going to make some content around this as well, but I've noticed that people who struggle with self-worth and potentially also struggle with self-trust like they tend to kind of wallow in their sadness and I know that I've done that as well um sometimes you know the victim mindset or the victim mentality can come up alongside that but really there's like a point in everyone's healing journey and this happens over and over again right it's not one point but every time you're kind of at the precipice of a new growth period you Hi, this is editing Roshni popping in because I lost my train of thought during this part of the podcast. So what I wanted to say is there comes a point for a lot of us in our own healing journeys where we end up kind of wallowing and we just stay in this place where even if we know how to change our mindset or even if we know that we have limiting beliefs to work on, it can be easier to either feel like the victim or to just feel like you don't have control. And it's not about like how far along are you in your healing journey. This happens to everyone at some point, but it's just important to remember that that happens and to be willing to call yourself out on it. And there's so many points where you're getting to the next phase, you're getting to the next level, but there's another breakthrough that needs to happen. And so many of us go through breakthrough after breakthrough and we're like, dude, when is this going to be over? When am I going to be done? When am I going to be healed? And again, it doesn't matter how evolved you are in your healing journey. We all have these moments. Sometimes you just have to give yourself that little push and that's okay. And just like we talked about earlier in the podcast, releasing the shame around that aspect of having to confront that again, of falling into the victim mentality or the feeling that you have no control over yourself and pushing yourself again over that edge, kind of like the fool card, if you're familiar with tarot, just standing at the end of the at the end of the cliff, getting ready to jump, but you have everything that you need already with you. And it still takes that leap. It still takes that trust. It takes that faith to push yourself off and to land somewhere else that's even more beautiful, right? This is something that I've noticed a lot, especially with people who struggle with self-worth, including myself. There's always a point where you just kind of allow yourself to be stuck. And a lot of coaches talk about how being stuck is actually your mindset. It's not as much the things going on around you. So working on your mindset first is always the first step into actually shifting your external circumstances, even if it is little by little. I want to talk about like spirit guides and like metaphysical stuff and like how that whole world has opened up for you and like what your experience has been like with all of that. Can you share some more about where you started and where you are now? Yeah. Yeah. I think where I started was like literally listening to random podcasts. Like I remember like listening to um, like a mediums podcast. I think it was Monica, the medium or something like that. And where she like would call up like randomly, I think she does some sort of giveaway, right. For like, um, and like she calls up someone and then over the phone, like she essentially like, so mediums, they essentially like 
are the medium between like the spirit world and the humans right and so she was like communicating all these messages and like there were multiple of these podcasts where she had contacted people in this way and I was like oh my god this is I just totally believed all of it because of the way that people were reacting right they're like oh my god how do you know this about this person right so I think just like listening to like psychic podcast medium podcast like slowly getting introduced to that world right and I think a lot of people are like oh how can you like you know people are like how can you believe in that stuff or it's fake or whatever and like here's the thing any industry like especially like the industry of mediumship and psychics like it's an unregulated industry right so like yes there might be some people who aren't legit right but there are also people when you're like terming the whole industry as being not legit you're like missing out on the people who are legit (laughs) right on the people that like bring so much healing to this world and I think that's how I slowly got my introduction And I started like reading, um, I talked about Dolores Cannon. She was like an American hypnotherapist. She worked with like thousands of people like doing like past life regressions, like going exploring their like past lifetimes, both on earth and on other planets and all of that. And she has like multiple books out. So I started reading those, right? I started like familiarizing myself with this world. And of course, even being introduced to you, like the tarot readings that you do, like my mind was blown. I was like, she is literally talking to things that I have not told a single soul and she is addressing them in the way that like they have occurred in my own mind sometimes right like the exact kind of phrases the exact words I'm like how can that be right so when you're like me just absorbing all this information seeing how it's applied to my me in my own life I was like how can I not believe in this right and also like even when people have like oh you don't have evidence or whatever and I'm like I choose to believe in this for me because when I believe, um, when I have these spiritual beliefs, when I believe that like, you know, we are here on earth for like our soul's evolution and that like there is when we like die, like there is no hell right it's just like pure unconditional love like I feel so supported (laughs) right so I believe in this for me because I just love how like supported I feel as I'm like just going about my day right and I talked about how like the power of believing without evidence right like when you are like so um that's what trust is, right? It's believing without evidence. It goes into self-trust because it's believing in yourself when you might not have the evidence to prove that something is possible, right? So I think it really like that my spirituality and those beliefs has have like impacted my self-trust, right? Because they've shown me that it's safe for me to trust even when I can't visually see it with my own eyes. Does that make sense? <laughs> Yes. No, it it makes a lot of sense. And like, actually that past life um, readings and stuff that you did reminded me of this story where I discovered past lives are true. Um, So I was walking my dog by, and there was like this box of books outside and it wasn't like ever there before. And it was outside of a closed down business, which is even weirder. Like it, like we have free libraries, but it wasn't one of those. And so I'm like, okay, just walking by. And I, you know, don't really think about it. And then like something keeps telling me like walk by that box and like find a book in there. And so I was like, okay, so I'm coming back from this walk with my dog. And I, and like, I'm like, no, whatever, it's fine. Like I have enough books. And so I go back upstairs. Finally, something just keeps telling me like go outside, find that box. And so I go and there was a book without a cover on it and it had scribbles on the outside. And I guess like a kid had scribbled, scribbled on it. And so I like picked it up and something about it fascinated me. So, and I lived just like, you know, half a block away. So I was like, I'll just, you know, I can always put it back if I don't like it. So I open it and I start reading it. And it was this book called past lives, future healing by Sylvia Brown. And so I was like, oh, this is interesting. And every chapter was like a different story of a past life experience that one of her clients had. So even as like a fiction book or non like I was like, whatever this is, I'm loving it. Like this is so interesting and so I get to the end of the book and there's like a meditation in there that you read that's like a past life regression and so I was like wait does this really work like could I access my past lives so I literally like tricked my boyfriend into doing it I like made him lay down I was like 
Okay, I'm gonna read this to you. I don't know how I didn't like make him read it to me, but I was like, you'll be my guinea pig. Um, so I made him lay down on the ground and I was like, okay, if this doesn't work, I, it's basically like, I'm just reading you a two page story. If this does work, yeah. then this is gonna be interesting and I don't know what to expect. So I'm like reading the meditation to him. At first, it doesn't really work. Um, like he felt like stuck in this kind of like light. And so I just kept going. And then there was one part where I started like a few sentences over. I started kind of from the beginning. And he, like, there was a part where you say like, how old are you? And so I asked him that I said, how old are you? And he was like 17 and I got chills on my body. Cause obviously he was like 23 Whoa. or something. Yeah. And so yeah. I was like, wait, like we're here, like he's in a past life. And he ended up like living this whole past life in Italy. And he was like describing wow. it to me like centuries ago about how he like didn't have a home and he like slept on a gondola and then like later in his life he was like fighting he was like in a battle or a war like fighting people on a horse and like there was a part where he was like injured in a field and everyone around him like had passed away like all these other soldiers and like he was just laying there and like it was crazy and like I don't even know if I've still fully recovered from that experience <laughs> but like that solidified to me that past lives exist because like my boyfriend's never been to Italy like he's never he doesn't have like his family isn't from there so we would have no connection there but we literally google imaged some of the places that he was describing and we found the exact clauses that he was talking about in real life in his past life regression so like experiences like that that I've had have just made it like it's almost like as much evidence as you can have I feel like mm -hmm. is what I received in those moments but there still is so much level of trust and like you know, you could even, some people might even say like, oh, it was just a weird dream or, you know, there's always a way to like mm -hmm. put down that kind of information. But yeah, I think it's like opened up my eyes so much. And that's so interesting about the podcast that you were listening to and what you said about my readings as well. Like yeah. I didn't even realize that I was saying it in those exact phrases. Oh my God. But yeah, it was, it was insane. And like, I've had um, tarot, I believe one before I worked with you, like, I believe I've had at least one tarot reading in the past um, that also clicked with me, but like the way you do it, I was like, oh my God, my mind is blown. <laughs> right. So yeah, of course, like I've like listened, you know, from just an observer perspective, but I've also seen how it's been applying to my life. So and I'm like, it's so fun to be spiritual. Like, why not? <laughs> I just believe the universe that we live in is magical. And yeah, it's just so much fun. I agree. That's how I pretty much say it too. I'm like, okay, if I believe in like past lives or if I believe in like fairies or whatever I want to believe in, like that's not really hurting anyone. You know, I'm not going to like go to war over this information, but if it makes life more magical and more fun, if I feel like I'm playing more because I feel like every time I see a bird or if I have a special connection with an animal, like maybe there's a message there. Like, I feel like those synchronicities, first of all, they end up really resonating with me, like animal medicine sure. or feathers or things like that, that I see, but even outside of it resonating on a deep personal level, like it's just fun. So why wouldn't I believe in it? And why wouldn't I let life be more fun? Like the way that our existence is structured these days, with just having to work all the time and have a family and do nothing else. Like there's no room for play or for fun or for joy in that really. And so having these like different ways of looking at life or looking at other realms or just thinking that these things are fully there like it's just way more exciting in my opinion absolutely yeah I mean I see it like something that has really helped me like almost especially when I'm like in the thick of it like of like putting myself out there on social media kind of like in my mind being like oh my god what are people thinking about this like something that helps me detach is like the thought like it's all a play right like I'm literally in the freaking matrix right now like it's not that serious <laughs> right like that is something that helped me and that's kind of like a belief that I've gotten because of my spiritual beliefs right because I see as like this is just like one of my incarnations like for my soul I'm like it's not as serious as it really is as it seems to be right now it like helps me feel kind of detached and like look at us like we're just all like acting on a play like in on a stage like it's not that serious <laughs> yeah yes I feel like that goes both ways it either really relaxes people or gives people like a huge sense of anxiety <laughs> because they feel like they're out of control or something but 
Um, I've been on both sides of that, honestly, but yeah, I, I do think like when you think about it as like, I've lived other lives, this isn't my only life. Like sometimes that does bring me a strange sense of comfort. Like, yeah. I don't know. It's just, it's like, I have a do-over if I really screw it up this time, but as long as I'm like being intentional or being mindful or like making the big decisions, at least that I need to make to feel authentic, then I'm on the right path and everything else that happens is kind of trivial and it takes like these little things so much less seriously. But the one area that this has really helped me in is my grieving process, because when I really believe that, and I, I, because I was such a staunch atheist and then I became a spiritual person, like it was this whole kind of weird journey of thoughts. So I really used to believe like when someone dies, they're gone. And I had one of my most painful grieving experiences kind of under that mindset. And since then, like that exact person who I was grieving, I, she's like visited me in meditations, my grandmother, mm-hmm. um, or yeah. like I've seen her be happy and young. And like, I obviously never saw my grandmother when she was 30 years old, but the way that I visual, like that it came to me in these like strong visuals, like there was no like miscounting it or like there was no like confusion around like this is who it is and she's happy and she's young and like she even like we I had this one meditation where she like grabbed my hand and like took me flying and like we went flying over like all these like natural areas it was so beautiful and like realizing that like these people that I love still exist or that they could even be happier than where they are now and working with my healed ancestors like that has brought me a so much clarity and b so much peace and I've never thought of myself as a medium but I actually did have some grandparents on my dad's side that I never met like send me some strong messages or even send me messages Mm -hmm. that they would want my parents to know which I never translated because I know it wouldn't be well received but like that was also an amazing experience and I didn't set out to find that it just happened to me through when I was breathing and doing like a breathwork practice but I I um, totally believe that you have that gift (laughs) It yeah. kind of freaks me out, but I'm like, I, I think I might, and I don't really know what to do with that. Cause I don't want to be like the kind of person where like you're out and about just enjoying your life. And then like you hear these messages and you have to go tell a random stranger. Like I've seen people have those experiences and it just feels like <laughs> such a big responsibility to me. Like I can never turn off, but I think that if I hone it the right way and like set boundaries around it, I could probably like explore. Yeah. That I'm assuming more. it's probably like a skill that you would develop and figure. Yeah. Yeah. That sounds, yeah. I know that, especially like I've heard your tarot readings and like, girl, I mean, sorry. She, I mean, they have gifts. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. Um, also, have you thought about like introducing any sort of like spiritual modalities into your work? Hmm. Not right now. I mean, I think that is something that I shared just to like, because it's a part of my personality. I think maybe down the road, like in the future, that is something that I would include. But I feel like right now I'm still in the phase where I'm exploring it for myself. So like just as a person in my own life, and I feel like maybe I do see that being a part of actually my coaching container in the future, but not quite yet. (laughs) That's so exciting though. Like what a expansive journey that you've been on like from the beginning of what you talked about of like being miserable in your finance career and like feeling kind of like trapped or like this was it like that kind of feeling of like this is what I had to accomplish in life and now I've done it now I just have to live it all the way to like hearing you talk about this stuff and like expanding a coaching container or bringing in spirituality at some point or just coaching people and having this relationship of self-trust with yourself like it's such a beautiful journey like I could hear this and think like oh this took 20 years for you to accomplish but it's been like what two years maybe yeah yeah I would say so I mean yeah maybe even less than that technically I mean less than that maybe one and a half years closer to one year probably um yeah and that's that's the magic of coaching like it will create transformations in way less time than you ever thought was possible um yeah And it's like, when I think about coaching, it's like, oh my God, I'm such a different person now. Like, I feel like a different person, but like, and it's very tempting for me to say that, but I think the truth is like, I'm actually just more of myself 
than I ever was in the past, right? As I'm like doing this coaching, doing this healing work, like just on the late, like uncovering myself from like my past traumas, all the socialization that I've just absorbed, right? In this like patriarchal colonial society that we're in. As I'm like uncovering that, I'm just becoming more of the person that I always was, right? But that person was hidden and now she's less hidden. <laughs> yes, you realize that all that that's why I made that point about identity and like how you see yourself at the beginning. And like, I just really encourage anyone who's listening who resonates with part of this to like write down a list of like how you identify yourself, how you see yourself, how the world sees you. And from that place, figuring out like, is that really how you feel? Is there a difference between who you see, who you are at home when you're alone and who you're out in the world or who you are with your closest friends? And like, yes, we're always going to have different sides to ourselves or different sides that come out. And it's not even about having any sort of like particular ego death or anything. Like I think egos are here to help us on our human experience, but at the same time, there might be so much of this outer shell that you're identifying with when really like the part that wants to be seen is just inside of that. And you just shed these layers that aren't you so that the real you can shine, like you said, and it's just, it's life-changing, but like before that happens, you so strongly identify with the things that aren't fully you, like how we both yeah. identified with being quiet and how I identified with being an extra hard worker who just didn't cause a ruckus. And I don't know if you had a similar identity like that. Yeah, as well. totally. <laughs> yeah. yeah, totally. Yeah. And like my sense of, uh, I know you do like specifically self-worth coaching and also like my sense of self-worth was like completely tied to my external accomplishments. Like I remember the first time that I like failed an exam it was in grad school and I was so devastated like I was literally like in bed for a couple of days like I could not deal with it I was like oh my god like I'm such a failure right because how I saw myself was just dependent on the things that I was doing and like that was a huge wake-up call to me like oh my god like this is a very unhealed relationship with myself like there is a lot here for me to work on and yeah, it's so crazy to me that that's where I was. Like, I just have so much like compassion and love for her because, and I remember like literally being on the phone with my parents because they helped pay for my grad school tuition. And I was like, you guys are like wasting your money on me. I'm such a failure and all of that. Like, that's literally where I was. So it's just mind blowing to me that I'm where I am now today, especially because that was like the kind of person that I was. So like the struggles that I had. Mm -hmm. um yeah well I am so grateful that you chose yourself and I know that your clients are so grateful that you chose going on this journey as well like it causes such a ripple effect and it's so beautiful to see um so can you share a little bit about the work that you do and how yeah, people can find you yeah of course so I do general life coaching meaning like literally whenever have pe people have problems like in any aspect of their life whether that's like personal relationship relationships related whether that's career related whether that's like their own relationship with themselves whatever issue they're struggling with in their life like I have the tools to help them so like I help people with like a variety of different things that they're going through um yeah, it's all, it really all comes down to like changing your thought patterns in your mind. And as you mentioned, this is not a skill we're taught in school. And I think that's kind of a crime that we're not taught this, right? So like really understanding how to like change the way that you are thinking in your mind. And you will see that as you change that, it will be a direct reflection. You'll see that onto your external life as well, right? Those internal changes will like manifest in a way in the life that you're living. Like it's, it's crazy. Um, so yeah, sorry. Well, did you ask me anything else? <laughs> um, yeah. How can people find you or work with you? Oh yeah. So, um, uh, people can follow me on Instagram. My username is, um, Kirti P. So K-I-R-T-I-I-I-P. Um, or they can email me at lifecoachkirti, K-I-R-T-I at gmail.com. Perfect. Thank you so much. Um, and one very last question before you go. Yes. And that is for anyone who is a South Asian woman or femme who is considering joining Not Your Betty, what would you say to them about it? Yeah, 
what I would say is like, honestly, just go for it. Like I loved that container. I love that it was also like a group program and like the space that you held, like it helped me feel so safe to just be me and to voice exactly what was coming to mind. And also like the meditations that you always started with, like they taught me something really important which was how to connect with my body. And I had like really never learned that before because all of us, I think we're used to like living in our minds and like just thinking with our mind and our, you know, it's very like mind focused all the time, but like learning how to connect with your body is like a life changing skill because it like that's how you actually process your emotions. I loved, so I loved your meditations. I just love the space that you held. Um, I would like really recommend it to anyone who is like kind of struggling with maybe any of the things that we already talked about and wanting to kind of like figure out how to move onwards. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, I love that. Thank you so much. I'm actually so excited because this week I'm adding a, a module to Not Your Betty called The Dark Feminine. And so we're going to explore Ooh, like I how that. Yeah, I'm so excited. Like how, what a dark feminine side is, how to explore that, how to like, and it encompasses things like rage and, you know, anger and seeing your anger as sacred and really getting like rooted in all the aspects of your human experience, especially that you're taught to hate or to put down as a woman or as a femme. Oh, I'm Mm -hmm. so excited. Like it's going to be such a good addition to the program. So yeah. (laughs) That sounds super exciting. Oh my gosh. (laughs) By the way, will we also have access to like, because I know we have access to the portal. Is that going to be added there as well? Like on that same portal where you had the other Yes. Yes, you will have access to it. So that's actually something I was going to tell you both is that you can join in also on any of the group coaching. So if you want to come in or pop in for any of them, yeah, you're absolutely welcome. And it'll be so fun. And it'll be cool too, if anyone listens to this podcast to connect with both of us. Definitely. Yeah, I would highly recommend Roshni's container. Just thank you so much. Thank you so much. Because like that really was like my stepping stone to like, to me being where I am today. So like, it means so much to me. And I loved having you as an example. I loved having Neela as an example, because like where I was back then, I felt like I was the one behind, like in my mind, right? And I was like, wait, like, but there are these two people who are like pursuing the life that feels true to them, right? So like, if they can do this, maybe I can too, right? It's like that little, like, um, just like a little spark in my mind of like seeing being in that container that helped me believe that like maybe this was possible for me maybe I wasn't doomed to a life that was like just meh like just okay right maybe I could have the incredible life that I've always wanted for myself so really grateful thank you Roshni <laughs> yes thank you so much for sharing that and for joining me on this podcast it was it's honestly like I just love following along on your journey like I love everything that you share on Instagram and also just your energy in general so thank you for like continuing to just be your authentic self and for coming on this podcast I think so many people are going to resonate with your story and yeah I'm just excited I can't wait for them to hear it thank you Rashi. I'm so honored to be here thank you for inviting me of course sending you so much love as always thank you so much as always for joining me for another episode of is it worth it if you have been enjoying this episode and think it would be helpful for others please make sure that you rate and review the podcast it really helps me so so much in supporting the podcast and helping it reach new audiences and if you are able to write a review and email me a screenshot at hello at betigrewup.com you'll be able to receive 10% off of any of my single session services so that includes single session self-worth coaching and single session tarot readings All links to my other content, my services are all going to be in the show notes below. Thank you again so, so much. I deeply appreciate your listenership and I hope you have a beautiful day ahead.